Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your Kyanite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. The revival continues as United make it three wins out of three under Simpson thanks to a dramatic late win at Oldham. We review that thrilling win at Boundary Park and take a look ahead to two tough tests at Brunton Park against promotion chasing Northampton Town in Newport County. Yeah, the Simpson bandwagon continues, Dan. Certainly Fly, does, flying along at quite a pace now, isn't it? Three wins yeah. out of three. I mean, we, hey, we haven't gone that that mental at a goal ever for a while, have we? Oh, I think that's fair to say. It's very fair to say. It's five games unbeaten for Simpson technically now. If you go back sixteen years, so uh, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, we'll get straight into it because got a lot to pack in today. Um, first up, Dan, it's a uh, you, you want to give a little bit of a shout out to uh, something that a former Blues player is running at the moment. Yeah, uh, Chris Lumsden's holding an event at uh, Downgate Centre at Warwick Bridge, hmm. uh, and the, I've seen a couple of people say, "Oh, why? Why is it? Why is it there?" And the, the reason is obviously uh, Lummy does a bit of coaching now, mm-hmm. and he uses the facilities at Downgate, and I think they've, uh, they've sort of struggled in the last couple of years as many places have because of COVID. So he's just doing a bit of a fundraiser for them. And uh, I think it's, was it Peter Murphy and Steve Hayward? Yep, former Blues players. For Blues captain, yeah, uh, captains. Yeah. Blues, yeah. Uh, both, both have picked up the trophy as well, haven't they? Indeed, if I think yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's on the Saturday the 26th of March at Downergate at Warwick Bridge. It's 15 quid. There's a pea and pie supper. And uh, I think it'll be quite similar to like the sort of the under the cosh podcasting yeah. the the tales and that you know that yeah they'll be a bit more lively than if we were on the radio yeah. if you know what i mean uh, apparently some footage from games in the 70s as well it's gonna be sure yeah i would i would imagine so that's uh that's from bbc good. i would yeah. have thought yeah well, i think we're, we're both going to tra- try and see if we can get down to it aren't we i think yeah um, definitely depending on shifts for you and stuff like that so yeah we'll see how it goes but yeah uh fantastic um everyone get along and uh support that if you can um Next up uh, into the news section, Dan. Um, bit of a sort of sad but good news in uh, when you flip it around this bit, isn't it? Um, yeah. Some Blues fans, you might have seen actually that um, disappointing news earlier this week that the club had been suffered a number of break-ins over the last week or so, haven't they, Dan? Yeah, yeah. Last couple of weeks, it appears uh, thieves have been striking at Brunton, uh, and uh, they obviously know what they're going for because the the fan. The family's on that a lot of young kids use with mm. parents got robbed of all its consoles, etc. Yeah. And I think there was a TV from the the main sort of East Stand concourse. Yeah. Dan, um, I've got I've got two ways to describe them. Scam, subhuman scam. There you go. That's yeah, the best way to describe them. Yeah, disgraceful. But yeah, no. But uh, as where where as people know, we're part of the uh, units of forty, yeah, and uh, mm. straight away we just thought. Nah, that's not on, and uh, we've uh, we've had three Xbox Ones donated, and we've covered the cost of three copies of FIFA 22. Yeah, uh, all this will be getting dropped off to the club on Saturday morning, ready for the family zone. Hopefully, being open on Saturday. So, yeah, and we have uh, it... Q- 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 Kiosk have also donated a telly 
from their funds. Uh, I think that's to go for the concourse one, isn't it? Possibly. I'm not sure. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't think the tellies were taken from the um No, no, they just so. think, from what I understand, they just actually grabbed the Xboxes and I think there was yeah. possibly a switch as well. But yeah. they also took And they, they, they managed to put the groundsman's golf buggy into the river petrol. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there you go. So, Hopefully yeah. they get caught and dealt with. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Um, okay, before we go into the uh, match review section, talk about the Oldham game, which I've plenty to talk about for them. Let's do a load update, Dan. Um, we'll we'll, we'll t- talk about Josh Dixon in a minute because there's a bit of a bigger update on that one. Um, Taylor Charters um, started for the Heat last weekend, played the full ninety minutes, and he scored the final goal in a impressive four nil win over third place Kidderminster Harriers at the International Stadium. It's a big win for Gateshead, that isn't it? Really to. So it's almost really take Kidderminster out of the running for automatic promotion, really, isn't it? I think that's that's the key for that. It's it puts yeah. them about eight or nine points behind them now. I think, and I think Gateshead might even have games in hand on them, possibly. So yeah, fant- fantastic result there. Um, they're still top of the National League North. Uh, second place, Brackley Town, are three points behind with a game in hand, but they've got an inferior goal difference. So hopefully Taylor can keep keep it up and uh, come away with a title winner's medal at the end of the season and give him a bit of a boost and hopefully bring him back to Brunton Park to. Yeah, get ready for next yeah. season. You'd hope, wouldn't you? You know, fantastic. Hopefully, yeah. Um, for the two lads playing in the national league, uh, differing sort of feeling for both of them this week. I think it's fair to say Tristan Abrahams yeah. um, uh, played the full ninety minutes in both games for Grimsby Town. They picked up a late one nil win at the weekend at home to Woking. Uh, then went and lost one nil to an informed Southend United midweek. Um, Jack Bridge actually came off the bench for Southend in that game. I keep forgetting that he's at Southend. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, not on the score sheet, but he's he started the last three games, so looks like he's got back into the team there at the very least. Uh, and Manny Mampala, uh, just another bad week for him and the Terrors, wasn't it? Really, they suffered a two yeah. 0 home defeat to playoff chasing FC Halifax Town at the weekend, and then lost five 0 to mid table Altrincham in midweek. He played eighty one minutes against the Shaman, but he didn't even get off the bench against Alty. Um, they're cut adrift at the bottom actually. If you look at the table currently, there. Yeah, it's going to be. Mission Impossible for them, I think. Yeah, so not looking great there, I think it's fair to say. Um, we have to talk about Josh Dixon, Dan. So, obviously, we, we, we thought he might have his loan extended. Turns out that's not the case, is it? No, uh, he's returned and he's back in contention for us. I mean, I I can't see him maybe get the odd bench appearance at the moment. but it, it, It's a I'd... tough one, isn't it? It's, it, it? There's a real big question of where does he go from here with his career, isn't there? Because yeah, we know he's been incredibly unlucky with injuries, and you know I don't think any other player could could look at that and say it wasn't bad luck. You know, compared against most, I mean, to have two knee cruciate ligament injuries before the age of nineteen is just rotten luck, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but he's, no, he's twenty one now. Yeah, he's got ability, but it's one of those ones. I couldn't understand what Millen was saying in terms of he just wanted to get in football at any level, but Workington were flying and it was always going to be difficult. Workington have yeah. got to look after number one and pick the team that's oh, yeah, going to yeah. win every week. We can't expect him to throw him in. I don't think there was ever an expectation on that, maybe, compared with Bell's move to Warrington, possibly. But it's tough because he's under contract for another year, but it's almost a waste of a year of his development if he stays in. He doesn't feature. So they've It's, got it's fight- one of them where you, you maybe think, would he, would he maybe... Start of next season, going a half season loan to Annan with with the proviso that he plays. If yeah. you know what I mean, 
Yeah, it might, it might not be the worst idea in the world, but, you know, something like that. I mean, the problem, obviously, with that one is you can't recall them until January. There's, there's no yeah, yeah, proviso yeah, for doing that. Because classes and international, if we go to Ireland, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it's 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 different in that sense, but I think you're right. That might be a smart move for him. It, he needs to get he needs to get a full half season of playing football at the very least, because like you said, he's 21. You, you can't carry on 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 the you know. On well, by the start of, of next season, he's 21 and a half. You know, on on this talk of him having ability but not actually having been able to show it, that's that's the problem. And yeah, like you said, unless we get secure safety with you know five or six games to go. Is he going to get any game time over this season? Probably not, realistically. Yeah. If you were stuck in a situation, you'd probably rather recall Charters and play him because he's actually playing football and yeah, yeah. his fitness levels are going to be a lot better. So it's a real tough one for Josh. I do really feel for him, but it's it's a weird kind of situation. This sounds a horrible thing to say, but you, you almost wish, contract-wise, him and Charters were the other way around almost because... Charters, you want tied down for another year because he's shown he's developing. Dixon, yeah, yeah. isn't kicking on, but hopefully he can he can prove us wrong and, and get himself fit and play games. But at the moment, it's, it's looking tough, looking tough for him, isn't it? I think it's fair to say. Um, Northampton game this weekend. Dan, before we move on to the um, match review, um, so far was it five thousand five hundred tickets sold? I think it was five and a half thousand before they went on sale today. I would yeah. assume that includes season tickets. Hmm. Usually does when they do a figure like that. Probably not. Probably I, doesn't I, include Northampton's own sales of tickets, though. Possibly, no, and I would also imagine that uh, there'll be quite a few pick up on Friday. Yeah, and of course you'll have the usual quarter to three crew. Yeah, always, always yeah. is, always is. Yeah. But so no, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's look, looking good for a big one. Yeah, I, I reckon at least eight. At least eight, pushing yeah, up towards yeah. nine. Maybe maybe ten yeah. if you get a good... good It'd be great to get ten, but I certainly think eight's definitely heading that way. Yeah, really hope so, because it'd be great to have a good atmosphere down there. And I just hope they actually turn up for once for a big crowd. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the big thing, because they never bloody do. Yeah. They, there you go. Um, okay, well, let's get on to the match review, Dan, then let's, let's talk about this one for a bit, because this is going to be enjoyable, isn't it? Um, yeah, Oldham Athletic 1, Carl United 2. I mean, if Carlsberg did away days, eh? Yeah. yeah, just under 1,300 United fans made the journey to Boundary Park last weekend and they were rewarded rewarded, sorry, with a, a 94th minute winner as Paul Simpson's extraordinary revival of the Blues continues. Um, up against, a, I think I'd say a valiant but quite toothless Oldham side. You know, the Blues toiled a bit for the first half but stepped up to find their rhythm in, after the break and I think we were by far the better side in the second half, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I'd say the first half was fairly even. Uh yeah. You know, they, they sneaked a goal at the end, but uh, second half, we were the better team by a long chalk for me. Yeah, got the reward for their efforts, didn't they? I think that's fair to say. And, yeah. Know, f- fantastic result all around, really, in terms of uh, not just taking three points, but stopping one of our rivals down at the bottom, taking yeah, three points yeah. in the result. So, yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, let's talk about the goals then, Dan. Um, Hallam Hope. There's always a slight feeling of inevitability, isn't there, when you when you look at an opposition lineup and you see a former car play, you think, yeah, they're probably going to score, aren't they? It was either going to be Hope or Adams, wasn't it? Yeah, and they, and they were both involved in the goal, it, it's fair to yeah, say. Um, yeah. I mean, Adams' ball in initially was superb, wasn't it? It's one of those ones for, for Mellish. He just has to do something with it, because otherwise it, it potentially is just going to sneak into the far post without touching anyone. It's that good a ball. And he sent his head crashing off the post. <laughs> Could have gone anywhere off the post. Lands to Clark, who 
hit the ball back across goal and Hope was just there to slide in and put it into the... Just right place yeah. at the right time, right wasn't place. it? You know? Yeah, and uh, he, he, he obviously certainly uh, milked it with a celebration in front of us afterwards. Um, I think we probably need to talk about this a little bit, don't we? Because we've posted about this on the message board. There's a few people saying, oh, why is he doing that? You know, it, you know, I don't know why he's acting such a thing like that. He didn't get any Some stick or anything. Was the like, pathetic mm. songs about him. I mean, I'm not being funny, but he got a lot of stick. And for a player who... He never really particularly bad mouth the club, never did anything bad. I mean, I know there was talk that he asked for a transfer at the start of, I think it was Sheridan's season in charge, wasn't it? Um, mm. But he didn't get it and he knuckled down and he actually scored one of one of his best seasons was at that point, wasn't he? I think he was yeah, doing really yeah. well. Got his move eventually, you know, and got his promotion with Swindon. I'm sure he was happy with that. Um, but yeah, I mean... We're not going to repeat the chant here. It, 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 it's a childish, childish chant. It's it's a well-known chant that seems to be doing the rounds because uh, there was a case with Akin Fenwood at Wickham mm. and the Milton Keynes fans, and it's not big, it's not clever, and it's it's got the childishness rating of plus 10. It's just... It's, it's stupid, isn't it? It's, I mean, just, the, it's the, just stupid. Huh? There's plenty of chants you can sing about former players that... Don't reference things like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no need there's for it. Pl- there's plenty of worse former players to earn abuse at than <laughs> exactly. Alan Moore. Exactly. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, Harry McCurdy got the same chant the other week, and I'm, I'm just, even as much as I dislike McCurdy, I'm a bit like, come on. Yeah. We can we can do better than that, really. Yeah. Really can do. And, and yeah, it was disappointing to hear. Um, like you said, people complain when players do that in front of us. Well, don't give them abuse like that. They've got yeah. every right to give it back to you, so... We got the last laugh in the end by getting the results, so you know that, that's the, that's the yeah. best way to, for it to go, isn't it? So, um, so there you go. I mean, Lord only knows what Simo said to them at halftime. Well, we actually do know because he, he basically told them to start visualizing scoring in front of those away fans, didn't he? Basically, get a picture in your head of scoring that goal and what you're going to do. And Amari Patrick sit clearly is a, a very talented artist, isn't he? Dan? Yeah, because uh, he he got us back level just three minutes into the second half and. And it all came from really good pressure from Jordan Gibson, I have to say. Um, he's, he's quite good at that, actually, Gibson, isn't he? He's got this habit of just nip, nip, nipping in and nicking the ball off a player and getting an attack going. Yeah. And he did that on this occasion. Laid it to Christian Dennis, who... Um, I thought this assist was superb. It, it was so perfectly it, weighted. It was like a it? slide rule pass, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just perfect weight and pass and timing. and Perfect to put it into the stride of Patrick, but also basically take the defender out of play so he just couldn't he knew if he brings down Patrick, he's going to give away a free kick or a penalty yeah, and yeah. get a red card probably. So Patrick takes the touch. And I've got to say, actually, the finish is superb because he, what he does, he doesn't sort of side foot it or anything like that. He doesn't try and you know drill it. He just pokes it almost, doesn't he? Yeah, he just, yeah. He just, just guides it, doesn't he? It's yeah. like guiding it. It's, I think you'd describe it as a slot, wouldn't you? That's the way that kind of finish it was a slot. A slotted finish, mm. and and the, the keeper didn't have any chance. The keeper had committed himself because he because he took it so quickly and nestled in the back of the net. And uh, yeah, the Blues fans went mad, didn't they? Um, mm. Fantastic! Not as mad as this bit, though. Oh well, this this was. Uh, come on, let's talk about this bedlam then, Dan. Um, yeah. Bit of credit first of all for the winner to Toby Show Silver for a bit of awareness to you know receive the ball deep in their half and. He maybe could have got it away to Patrick, but I think Patrick was quite well marked and he just sort of, he basically invited Pierre Gianni to come at him and say, right, come on then. And he, he basically dragged him down, didn't he? Yeah. And at this point, my, my first thought was, oh, I wish Devitt was still on the pitch now because guys' free kicks and set pieces have not been that yeah. great this season. But I tell you what, 
he, he certainly improved since David's arrival in terms of doing this and absolutely perfect clip ball to the far post and I mean Feeney came steaming onto it didn't he oh absolutely nowhere and there was no way anyone else was getting to that ball basically yeah as soon as it came in like we were sort of I started to rise out of my seat I was like oh oh it sort of went in slow motion because it hit the underside of the bar onto the, the inside of the post and then nestled in the net and then cue pandemonium. Ah, it was it's a terrific header, like genuinely really, really good header. And and like you said, at that point, anyone who wasn't there has not been to Oldham. The stand behind the goal is like a two-tier one, isn't it? So it's got like... It, it, yeah. It's got... Well, it's not exactly... It's two tiers, but it's sort of basically split It's got a walkway two. in the middle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. basically. And there's only one small section right behind the goal that's open up to fans. The rest of it's covered up in place, unless there was like a big following, like 3,000 odd. That's the only time they would open yeah. up. So most of us were in the top tier, but there was a section of you in the bottom tier. But the the big sort of, the, there was like a walkway sort of bit at the bottom as well, isn't there? Quite a wide one. And as soon as that goal went in, that was full, basically. People were just down there and the stewards were all like trying to stop people getting to the front. It's like, what, why are you bothering? Why are you bothering? Yeah. You're, not, you're not stopping anyone getting to the front there. Absolutely crazy. Feeney got booked for his celebrations for this. Which I thought was farcical. We'll talk about the referee in a minute, but farcical. Because well, he didn't exactly jump into the crowd or anything. He was near the front, but the fans were going to come rushing forward, whatever, weren't they? So mad it was. And uh, and yeah, basically, last kick of the game, more or less, wasn't it? They they took the kick yeah, off well. and the ref blew up straight away. And yeah, got him for Oldham, but brilliant for us. And... and I mean, it's just, it was just that feeling of relief at the end. You're thinking, because you, you get those first two results and you think, okay, you've got the new manager bounce. You're just riding on a bit of the crest of that. But this was the first of these three games, I think. Well, so I wasn't at Orient. I watched, watched it on TV. The first time I watched and thought, second half, all right, we actually aren't a bad side, you know? We're not no, we're not world beats. We're not promotion wings, challenging side, but we're not a bad team, actually, when it's put together properly. And we looked... Coherent, I think it was fair to say. Second half. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it, it was one probably the first time this season where we've went a goal down and you've not thought, oh, we'll beat here. Yeah. There's, there's been many games this season where we went 1-0 down and like, oh, we might get a draw if we're lucky. And there was never that feeling with this one. It was like, you know, especially equalising so quickly into the second half. It was like, yeah. We can win I, this. I might be wrong, you know? but I, f- I think in league games, I think that's only the second time in about three years we've gone behind in a game and won. Yeah, yeah. Last t- last season against Leighton Orient was the first time Beach had managed it when he was manager. Yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, that's astonishing, that isn't it? Really, mm. it's only taken Simpson three games to to get a grip on something like that. But uh, but yeah, that that feeling leaving the ground, and we'll, we'll talk about the atmosphere in a minute. Was just it just it, it just felt so positive, didn't it? Yeah. There's a bit of belief there. Um, let's talk about the referee then. We, we we try and avoid talking about the referee on the show, don't we? We, we? we don't I don't see the point a lot of the time. A lot of the time, actually, when you look at it with a bit of hindsight, they probably weren't that bad and the decisions they, they made were generally right. I just thought he was so fussy. He was given so yeah. many really... He did not let the game flow. He was giving out bookings, you know, like the, it was... The, 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 classic, the classic one that stands out is... They got a penalty off handball. We should have had one on that basis up at the other end before yeah. that. Jamie Devitt had tried to flick it up and he hit the player's hand. Yeah. His hand was stuck yeah. out. So it wasn't yeah. like he was like down by his side. He was stand, stuck out. So yeah. he should have been given with Simeon's one. His, his arm was up. It probably the right decision, but he's not 
gone out to try and palm the ball. The ball's just been headed against it from a few yards away. So not much you could have done. Probably the right decision. I think a booking's probably a bit harsh, but I guess that's the letter of the law. Um, yeah, he just didn't. It didn't feel like he was ever in, in control of the game. The only thing that surprised there, me is he, there was there was that little period where he, he booked about four players in two or three minutes, and you thought there's a red card coming in this yeah, game. The way he's going. We, we said that, but I think in the end, I think second half, I think the only booking was given to Feeney for his goal celebration. Yeah, yeah. I don't recall anyone's getting booked, so it goes to show sometimes. You know, I wonder if his linos maybe down. had a word with him and went calm down. <laughs> <laughs> maybe possibly, but when you look at his stat, he is quite card happy. So maybe it's not that much of a surprise. Um, what we didn't actually didn't talk about when we talked about the goals was the penalty, Dan. Mm-hmm. You would mentioned it there. I mean, like you said, probably the right decision. Would you agree? The arm was up, but there was one of their players up as well. I can see why it was given. Put it like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was harsh, but the way the law is now, it's you know. I I, I think. One thing I'd like to point from this penalty is, it, it, from it being given to being taken, must have been about two minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. Because of the there was an incident essentially, so they were all lined up ready to take it, and then a bit of pushing and shoving started sort of to the right of the penalty taker on the edge of the box, and it ended up a little bit of a. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a fracas, would you? Really, it was just a little bit of pushing and shoving and stuff. It was handbags, basically. Yeah. Um, but it was quite smart, I think, from our players. There seems to be a bit more of a fight about them, a bit more of a, you know, we're not going to take other teams doing the old dark arts and doing things like this. We're going to actually start getting involved. We're going to yeah. play our bit. I, I think some of that will probably come from having likes of Dennis and Devitt on the pitch. Yeah. The experienced pros and know the game, you know. Yeah. I mean, who's he got? They got books. Was it. Um... Got the stats here. I should know this actually. It's uh, well, I'll say Mellish was one of the players who got booked, wasn't it? In, yeah, um, yeah, in the whole thing. It was actually two of their players. I was surprised it wasn't more of our players' book. John was certainly one getting involved, and I did panic a bit there. I thought, oh god, he's gonna have to play the rest of the game with a booking now, but actually, never ever looked like he was gonna get another booking. He was excellent once again, John Mellish. Um, yeah. it was Bahambula and uh, Missalu that got the bookings, and obviously for them, yeah, Adams yeah. and Hopewalt were also booked. Um, but yeah, it, it just it just felt like. He just put a bit of the nerves into Kelly Adun, or Kelly Adun, um, and obviously then Howard saves the penalty and Bahambula messes up the rebound. And that at that point, the roar when that happened was loud enough, wasn't it? Never mind for the goal as well. Later yeah. on, but fantastic, really. Um, let's talk about a few of the plays and bits like that then, Dan. Um, I've only picked one out here, but you can pick a few if you want to. I mean, Morgan Feeney, we've got to talk him, or should we say Feeney? Because <laughs> literally every time he headed the ball, he got that, and that happened a lot. I want to see what the stats are. I never, I didn't get a chance to dig them out before the game, uh, before the recording. Sorry, but I'd love to see what his stats were in terms of headers won for this game because he must have won about ninety five percent of them. I don't recall him missing a single header in the game. I mean, they're not the biggest no. team, Oldham, but you know, bahambula has got a bit of height about him. But Feeney won pretty much everything defensively. He was outstanding, wasn't he? And one thing to note of his headers is that they're not just headers away. The number of times it goes to a teammate or the yeah. right area yeah. is very impressive, you know. It's one thing Simeon needs to work on a little bit as well, doesn't he? I think he, some, some of his go a little bit astray sometimes, but he's getting better. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, picking up other players, I mean, I've said it before, but like, like Mellish, again, outstanding at centre-back. He just seems to have slotted back in there with no problem. And it really does play to his strengths because he can bomb up and down a little bit. And there was a few times, I mean... There was a point, I think, on about 85, 87 minutes where he won the ball in our half and just went on a charging run. And he didn't have to worry because he knew that Guy would drop in and, and slot into that position, wouldn't he? And 
fantastic, really. Re- really great scene. I, I'm, I'm going to give a, a word to Christian Dennis. I, I, I thought you might. I didn't put it in, but I thought you might want. want yeah, because I, yeah, I think yeah. I think he's played excellently in these mm. three games, and if anyone is deserving of a goal uh, in the next couple of games, it's this lad because. It's just his all-round play, his knowledge, his touch, his awareness is... It's a level above anything else we've had up front this season for me. Yeah. You know, you can you can tell he's been round the blocks, he's the experience. He's, I think I said it, was it last week or the week before? He's what Alessandro was 18 months ago. Yeah. You know, he's, he's like a slightly fresher version of Alessandro. Probably bigger goal for it as well. They've got, they've got the, they've got the nous, they've got the know-how, the know, they've got the game management. You know, they're just good, good, solid players. Who, you know, they're not going to do much wrong. Yeah, the one, the one thing I would say that we did probably learn on Saturday is he does not have much pace. <laughs> it's fair to say yeah. a few times when he got very easily done for pace trying to chase the ball, but but no, he, there's, he still there's, there's a couple of there's a couple of times as well when shots are going off in the box and he's he's just there. You know, yeah. so I mean. Yeah, the keeper's saving it, but there's going to be a time where the keeper spills it, yeah. and he's he's going to be the old fox in the box and just prod one in, you know, and it'll be uh, be good when he gets his goal. Absolutely, and like I, I completely agree. I think his work rate's been fantastic, and it it begs to differ still, doesn't it? And same with with Devitt again. He's worked really hard in these games. He's not really had many shooting opportunities like you'd expect from a player like him, but he's linked play so well, and he's such a calming influence on the ball. We're getting this hour out of them. You've got to wonder why didn't Millen just think to just, yeah, just put them yeah. in the team and get them up to 60, 65, 70 minutes yeah. and bring subs on. You know, it's yeah. Divine came on and had a good game as well for for Devitt when he came on. He, he mm. slotted in nicely and again Toby did pretty well when he came on for for Christian as well. He, he, he yeah, did yeah. Some job. So yeah, I, I completely agree. With you. I, I think as well actually, I probably give a little shout out to Callum Guy as well because I think. He's definitely getting better as each game comes along since Simpson took charge. I mean, I think I think some of that's Devitt being yeah, beside definitely. him. You know, a bit more reliable, shall we say? Yeah, definitely. But it's interesting because I, I, I was a oh, I was listening to another EFL podcast. I think it was the Totally Football League show. I think it is the one that the Athletic do. And the guy there clearly watched quite a bit of the game, and he said like that the the one thing that stood out for him was how good Callum Guy was, and basically Oldham's players didn't really get near him most of the afternoon. Yeah, and dictated yeah. play so. It's always interesting to hear an outside voice talk about these things. I think Under the Cosh were there as well, weren't they, for, for this game in the old event? Yeah, it's, uh, if you go on their YouTube channel there, uh, they were up at the home end. You have that delightful moment, don't you, when the, when the winning goal goes in and it's just deathly silence in the older end. And in and in our end, all you can hear is just them going mental. So it's uh, it's always lovely to hear that, isn't it, really? I mean, like, well, let's talk about the atmosphere, Dan. One of the best I've been in for a long, long time in terms of Carlisle away days. One of the most positive, especially as well. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, you know, the the following. I mean, fresh on the heels from seven hundred to Orient, we had the thirteen hundred at Oldham, and I'll tell you something. Barra should be glad we can only get six hundred tickets because the way it's going, there'd be two and a half thousand going there. <laughs> yeah. And there maybe still is unofficially, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but, how, many, uh, how many people could come up Lancashire postcodes within the space yeah, of a week? That's the question. Yeah. But, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ringing, ringing an anti barrel to use a postcode. Exactly, and that, exactly. But yeah, I mean, you're right. And, and the great thing is, actually, when you look at the remaining away games, they're pretty much all in the north, aren't they? I think. From what I can remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Mm. There was. Warsaw, you know, the, the furthest south, I think, left. If I'm right. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you've, got, you've got Harrogate, Tranmere, Bradford City, 
Rochdale, obviously, the midweek one. Barrows, you've already mentioned. I think that's it, actually, isn't it? I don't think there's yeah. only beyond that. So there you go. That's, there's a good chance of some really big followings for those remaining games, isn't there? And I think as much as anything, it would be good to get big followings in there and, and show Simo that there's potentially, and, and if he can keep us up, that he should stay with us. Because I know some fans are a little bit worried that, oh, he's just going to come and do his job and, and leave and we're, we're stuck going back to square one. Well, if you really want him to stay, let's get behind him. Let, let's, and let's speaking of away following, jumping the gun a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, looking at the teams coming down from League One, Crew and Doncaster are almost down already. Crew are already for me. Yeah. Doncaster. Then you've got Markham and Fleetwood in the mix with Gillingham and Wimbledon. You know, so you've got a potential of four four teams there who are all northern based. Mm. And then you look at the the teams flying out in the National League. Stockport look as though they're going to pull away and win it. And you've got like Chesterfield, Wrexham, Halifax, even Solihull and Notts County. Yeah. You know, it's quite it's quite northern biased. So we, we could actually end up League Two next season having quite a few northern games and you know what Carlisle's like. If if we do get on a run, the fans will travel and uh, you know, there may be a bit of excitement looking forward to going places. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean hopefully we can get some good followings for the rest of the season, get ourselves secured as an EFL club for another season. And like I said, try and convince them to stay, whatever happens, because I genuinely think he could build something big here again if he's given the opportunity possibly because yeah. he seems to want control of the club he seems to get on fairly well with with Clibbing so far they seem to be working really well together so you never know there could be something there to happen so yep right Dan uh, I think that's enough for the first half isn't it I think we've done the match review yeah. section to death um, another good result hopefully follow that up with uh, two more results in two mm. big games at Brunner Park in the space of a few days so we'll be back shortly to preview the Northampton and Newport games this is John Mellish, you listen to the Brunton Bugle. And we're back for part two of uh, the Brunton Bugle this week, uh, previewing the uh, Northampton and Newport games, two big games at Brunton Park in the space of a few days. Um, obviously, remember, you can subscribe to the podcast through the, all the usual places, uh, ACAS, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere like that. Just click subscribe, and every time a new episode comes out, it'll go straight into your little inbox on your app. Um, you can also follow us on social media, uh, at Brunton Bugle on Twitter, find the Brunton Bugle on Facebook and just click like and we're obviously on the, the message world the Cumbrians.net and the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group and you can email us Bruntonbugle at we, we get places that others don't we do we get everywhere we get everywhere indeed um, before I do a little sponsor bit as usual uh, Dan we've got a question as usual from Mike this week so this is oh. what Mike's question is and we'll uh, we'll answer this later in the show just before the exile section so here's Mike's question the last time that we faced the Cobblers under Paul Simpson was in 2006, where an emphatic 3-0 win saw us go three points clear at the top of the league. Who were our goal scorers in this game? And also, which future Premier League manager was playing for Northampton that day? I think I know the answer to these. I already. think I know the answer to this, yeah. But we'll, <laughs> we'll leave it to the end. Let's leave a little bit of suspense for everyone, but I think, I think both of us know. Was this the, the midweek game? It the was. Friday night? It was pretty was much... 16 years this week. In fact, sorry, 16 years today it was. It was a Friday night, wasn't Thursday. it? Yeah, it was a Friday night. We are recording on Thursday, the 6th, yeah. 10th of March. It was basically 16 years ago today. That's how long it yeah. was. Incredible. And there you go. I'm fairly sure I know who the manager is. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yes, we, are. we both know who the manager is. Um, yeah. well, there you go. 
Um, I think we've given it away. Should we just answer yeah, that bit now and yeah, do the score? Fa- a fairly Sean sure, Dyche. Sean Dyche. Yeah, but there you go. Um, his son actually plays for Northampton now. He's on loan at Brackley Town, funny enough, in the National League North. Yeah. Um, right, well, uh, as usual, the this season, the second half of the show has been taunted by the Cali Knight Sports Club London branch. Uh, London branch is open to all Cali Knight fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and, of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sports games and fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of their previous section this season too. You can find out more about the London branch at their website, carlalondonbranch.org. Uh, now, right, before we get onto the preview in the two games, Dan, uh, we've got the Behind Enemy Lines section. And uh, this week, I spoke to Danny from the Northampton Town It's All Cobblers to Me podcast. Uh, absolutely flying this season, Northampton. Really really doing a lot better thing than probably a few people expected. Um, well, not, more than we expected, I think, when we did the well, season preview. I, I did say this to him. I said, I think when we did the preview, I think we were quite hit and miss. I think we thought if you could hit the ground running, they might do okay. But if they didn't, they're probably going to struggle a bit. So basically they've hit the ground running haven't they there you go mm-hmm. um so yeah we discussed Northampton's season so far and, and how their success has been built on a strong defense how jack salby's getting on uh down in northamptonshire and uh, a few of the off the field issues in terms of building their east stand that's uh, sort of bogged the club down a little bit over the last few years i think it's fair to say that look like they're getting resolved now so uh here's the chat i had with danny uh, earlier this week so I'm here with Danny from the It's All Cobblers to Me pod to talk about all things Northampton Town ahead of this weekend's game. Danny, I mean, you know, Cobblers currently second in division. Haven't I think you've lost, what, two of your last 12 games of the joint best defence in the division and haven't lost in your last six games against Carlisle, funny enough. Surely you've just got to turn up at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Is that the reverse psychology? Yes, yes. You're absolutely flying at the moment. I mean, back at the start of the season, we were quite divided on our pod as to how you guys would do. We we thought, obviously, with the fact that you'd had a bit of an overhaul of your squad and your manager didn't have much first-team experience, there was a feeling it could be either sink or swim. What's actually gone so right for you guys? It's weird. I think it hasn't really felt like a top three season so far, if that makes mm. any sense. Yeah. It's, I mean, John Brady's coming in. He's done a great job, to be fair. His first full season in charge, his first season in the Football League in charge. He, I mean, looking at our pace, he's done a great job. Um, it's all been built on that defence. It's been built on set pieces. It's been beating... We've been comfortably beating the lower teams quite easily um by by set pieces <laughs> um by that i mean the teams that are earlier in the season we've been beating quite comfortably yeah. it's getting a little bit tricky now with the you, you mentioned the loss of, we had a game at home against barrow where we just didn't turn up at all yeah yeah um so that's kind of we're kind of in a place now where we're up there we're not completely sure how we got there, but we're going to enjoy it and we're going to go for it the last 10 or 11 games or so. I think now it's it's got to the point where I'm getting really nervous now, which is probably a good thing, I think. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, the manager there, John Brady's first season as a, a football league manager, his first full season at least. I mean, how good a job has he done? Obviously, he took over last season from Mr. Curl. We, we might discuss him in a minute. Or, you know, <laughs> something we both know well for managing our clubs but how's, how's Brady done he, he, he was briefly a former player with you guys wasn't he I think back in the day I think mostly mostly remember for his time at Rushton and Diamonds and Lincoln mm. I think it was wasn't it yeah it was mainly with Rushton I think locally yeah. here um, 
he come through and obviously the Brackley as well managed near here as well come up there he was part of the youth setup here so he one of those natural progressions when Keith left that he stepped up um immediately like in league one just showed a lot of passion a lot of just turned things around from Keith Cole's way of playing as you all know uh, it just completely refreshed everything and it, we'd suddenly just become more attacking we just went for games more it didn't work out we were still relegated um but there was a sense that he just had the energy and the design, the passion to to go for it, and we thought, well, let's give him a chance in League Two. He's done so well; he's done great. He's a really good guy. He's a good local guy, um, and he's just really put a sense of pride into the performances. Obviously, it's not going to work well every week. Is as I say, built on set pieces, built on delivering balls into the box and getting his headers in a goal. But I think there's a lot more to it than that. There's hard work. There's grafts. There's a little bit of quality in there. Um, and we, yeah, he's just doing great. And um, he's a, he's feisty as well. So I think with Paul Simpson in the technical area at the weekend, it could get a bit flary, mm-hmm. but because um, he gets in really into games, which is great to see, especially after certain other characters at the club that just didn't give you a lot in that sense. So yeah, it's been good fun. And I'm sure he'll get plenty of stick off the paddock at Burton Park this weekend. Um, sure well, will. we'll get back to talking about the, your squad in a minute, but let's talk a little bit about off the pitch issues at Northampton because there's one more, I think you know you know exactly what I'm going to ask you about here. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about. It's the redevelopment of your East Stand at Sixfields. Now, obviously, that this happened about, I can't remember, seven or eight years ago, I think this all mm-hmm. started, wasn't it? And the stand's still not been fully finished, has it? it hasn't been fitted out. Um, is this the stand that brought down your local council effectively as well, I think? Yeah, and <laughs> essentially, yeah. Yeah, there's issues obviously recently that they're looking at finishing it off, aren't they? And I think there's been some council meetings and planning and stuff like mm-hmm. that, uh, something to do with the adjoining athletics pitch. Can you explain as briefly as possible, and I know that's going to be <laughs> difficult for you, What just give an overview of what this is all about, basically, what actually happened. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a long saga. There's no way you can sort of pack it all into a few minutes. But basically, the previous owner um, had the stand, or was about to build the, the new stand, uh, got a loan of 10.25 million, I think it was, from the council. And then the workers basically shut up shop, refused to keep building because they weren't being paid. Owner then goes off with the money. Um, just it disappears. It's got it's completely gone missing. There was a, there's still a massive ongoing investigation behind it. Yeah. Um, Chris Wilder then gave an impassioned speech on the pitch in Notts County to say that things need to change. And the, there was there was an offer on for the club at that point. Chris Wilder gave one of the most passionate speeches I've ever seen um, after a football match. Um, he was saying the other day that he just didn't he he just he didn't plan it until after the game. He doesn't even remember what the score was in that game, and he just came out and just gave it a, the the selling. And he said, there's an offer on the table from Calvin Thomas, who's our current chairman, to get it done. That took it, I think, over the line. That that one speech just changed everything. Calvin uh, Thomas came in. There was, there's been heaps of problems around it, around the, the legal stuff about the stand as well. He's built it to a standard where we've got seats in it again now. We've got it back to a bit of a shell, and we've got seats in there at least, so we've been able to put people in there for match days. Still only half-built. There's been plans that Kelvin Thomas has had for a long time to build that. And there's been issues now around the bit of land behind it and um, building on that because he wants to build stuff on there, build stuff that's going to go back into the community there. Um, and there's issues around which which half of the former athletics track is, is owned by the club and which isn't, which is going to be part of the deal. Uh, there's loads of issues around that legal stuff. So that's what all the council meetings have been 
recently, I don't want to bore you too much with that detail, <laughs> but um, but um, essentially now we're at a point where the land we think is going to go to the club, which is great news. Um, and then we can hopefully start building the stand, building whatever it is we're going to build behind it to get an income for the club sort of week, week or week round, which has just not been happening before. It's- it's one of the issues we have at Burnham Park. It doesn't make money during the week. It's mm. just the way it is, isn't it, sometimes? I mean, it's it just one six fields because it's only, what, about 20, 25 years old, I think, as a ground thing, maybe 30 nearly. Um, yeah. And it's obviously fairly new and modern, so to knock stand down and build a new one seemed a bit of an odd thing at the time, really. But it's obviously, as you said, maybe the way it was designed back then wasn't really designed to make money in the way that football clubs need to these days. I guess that's the way it was looked at, so... Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was. I think he just wanted to knock it down and build a bigger stand that would then incorporate a lot of boxes and things like that. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's talk about the squad then. Um, well, we'll talk about the danger in a minute, but first of all, we'll pick one player, obviously, that the, the one connection, I think. In fact, no, what are two connections between the two clubs? Rod McDonald, obviously, being on the Carlisle side, but he's not going to play this weekend, probably. Jack Sowerby, how's he getting on with you guys? He recently signed a new contract with you. He was on loan with, to us from Fleetwood about, it would have been in Keith Curl's last season in charge, possibly. Oh, no, in fact, it was after he left. I think it was he came in um, under John Sheridan, funny enough. And, and he did really well in the half season with us. He was brilliant and the fans wanted him to stay, but he went back to Fleetwood and obviously subsequently joined you guys. How's he done for you? He was quite an exciting sort of, not quite an attacking midfielder, but he chipped him with a few goals and was quite forward thinking when he played for mm. United. Yeah, I think the biggest compliment you can pay him is that as soon as he's out the team for injury, you notice it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's someone. He went. He came back for the first time for a couple of weeks on Saturday against Tranmere. Completely bossed the midfield. I mean, he's not like in stature. He doesn't boss it in stature, but he, he bosses yeah. it in terms of his reading of the game and his passing and his control of a of a certain area. As soon as he went off, we conceded two goals. Um, whether that's coincidence or not, I'm not sure. But he was superb again on Saturday. And we didn't really notice it a lot in League One. In League Two, he can take games and just really yeah. give us that sense of control, yeah. I think. So um, I'm so happy that he's back. I'm really hoping that he's going to be fit enough again to, to play on Saturday. Well, I hope not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine he's the kind of player who probably will score against us now in our luck. Yeah, he hasn't scored a lot of goals, though, I don't think. No. I think he may have maybe four or five in for us, but they were big goals. I mean, he scored a, mm. a brilliant goal at Oldham when he ran into, he sort of came into the box on the ball and did almost like a little pirouette on it to beat the defender, then fired in the bottom corner. Mm. And he scored one from about 25 yards into the top corner against Morecambe, I think, once as well. Mm. Um, I'm going to go back on your reverse psychology thing now and say he scored one goal in 50 for us. There's no chance that he's going to score on Saturday. So. Thanks for that. That's <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, yeah, anyway, I mean, other than Jack, who, who's the danger man? I think your two centre-backs seem to score a few goals, don't they? Obviously, you mentioned set-piece has yeah. been a strong point and defence being obviously a, a key part of that. I mean, is that the area we need to sort of look at this weekend? I mean, you, you, in comparison, I'm, I'm looking at the, the table. Forest Green have got, what is it, 62 goals, something like that this season. They've scored... You've only scored 42, you're 20 behind. <laughs> but yeah. your defences are exactly the same. So I'm guessing defence is the strong area for you two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Two centre-backs, John Guthrie, uh, Fraser Horsfall, both chipping in with goals, but both solid as well at the other end. Um, if you are going to stop us, just stop our set plays. That takes away a lot of our danger. Um, mm-hmm. We do have Mitch Pinnock as well, who can create something. We've switched our formation a little bit at the weekend so that we got a little bit more out of him he scored the third goal he's he's one of those players who's got something in his locker he'll 
he'll ping out across or a shot from distance that'll just yeah. go in. He's got that extra little bit of quality that you can have in League Two. So it's either set piece or Pinnock, I think, at the moment. Or maybe sometimes Sam Hoskins will come up with something. But. Yeah, Hoskins is always a player that I've been really impressed with, to be fair. Um, I mean, looking at the running for you guys, I mean, when you look at the top of the table, obviously we haven't done much looking at the top of the table this season, sadly. <laughs> but I mean, I'm looking at it, it, it's getting awfully tight up there, isn't it? I mean, Forest Green, have, 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 even with their poor form as it is, have, have run away with the top of the table, haven't they? It looks like they're mm-hmm. going to be in the top three, whatever happens. But it, it seems the rest, other than you guys in Exeter and maybe Mansfield, no one else seems to want to actually go for those places in the top, do they? I mean, I mean, Sutton have obviously got the distraction of Wembley now, potentially, for the uh, Peter Trophy, the one we don't talk about on our podcast. <laughs> um, Newport, I mean, they're right up there, I suppose. Mansfield have got those games in hand. Tromme have dropped off a cliff. I mean, are you hopeful that you can keep yourselves up there for the rest of the campaign? I'm hopeful. Um, it's it's well, you get it with all football fans, don't you? If there's a if there's any kind of sense of jeopardy, you think it's not going to happen, don't you? Um, but the games in hand are the big thing. Mansfield have got three games in hand on us; they're four points behind us. Exeter are three behind us; they're now third. They've got two games in hand. They're, but I think some of the games will be against each other, which will help. I think we've just got to keep on doing our thing and hope for the best. Really, um, it's. It's going to be tight. It's going to be so tight. And I think even getting into the playoffs is the first thing, I think. Just making sure we've got enough points to get in the top seven and go from there. Because it can just change so quickly, can't it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, we, we've seen it in the last few games how quickly things can turn around. And doom and gloom to uh, hysteria and belief, really. It's just quite <laughs> strange for us, but there you go. Um, I, I won't keep you too much longer then, Danny. Um, just to finish up, we also do our predictions at the end of the show, but we like to ask the opposition podcast for their prediction as well. So what are you going to predict for this weekend's game? Uh, I think I said on our pod, 3-2. I think I can see goals in it. I think there's another 3-2 in it for us, possibly edging it. I think I'm so concerned about the Paul Simpson factor. I think that you've got someone in there that's knows the club that that really connects to the club connects with the fan base he's come in he's done a superb job so far i i'm concerned uh, but i want to predict a win just because i i, I think we need it so badly um so i'm going to go for 3-2 but i'm not hugely confident about it danny thanks for your time and no good worries. luck for the rest of the season after this weekend of course cheers buddy and you so there you go. That's the uh, the chat I had with um, Danny earlier this week. It, it's, it's all going really well for Northampton right now, isn't it? It's uh, one of those clubs, aren't they? That I suppose they're probably a similar sized club to us, aren't they, Dan? In that sense, and they they, just, they never quite they sort of bobble between League One and League Two, don't they? Never quite do enough to kick on in League One. Yeah, uh, very similar clubs, I think. Is in we've mm. both got a bit of a. Uh, I'm trying to what's the word? There's, Catchment area, would you say? Yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, I know they they struggle with the rugby because the rugby is obviously successful. But mm-hmm. you know, there's there's more can be done with both clubs if you know what I mean. I mean, oh, it looks like they're they're is it the East Stand? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, they're, they're, they're basically as Danny explained there on the chat. It, it's it's a very complicated story, but essentially that they the previous owner got a loan of something like 10 million odd from the local council to, to build the stand. Uh, and then the construction on it stopped like halfway through because the company or the people working on it weren't getting paid, basically. And the, the money's not been fully recovered since they've got new owners now. 
but they've basically fitted out the basic shell of it, haven't they? And they've put some seats in so they can they can use it at the very least. But um, but yeah, essentially, I think the deal that they've agreed because if you've ever been to Sixfields, there's, there's an athletics track behind that stand, isn't there? Basically, it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not used anymore. It's wasteland, basically. You know. But essentially, there was a sort of discussion about who owned that bit of land because the new owner wanted to build stuff on there for the benefit of the club and the community and stuff. And there was arguments whether developers should have it and stuff. And I think it's basically they've come to an agreement with the council that essentially they have to finish off the East Stand that they'd paid all that money for. But they get that land that's behind the the, the, um, yeah, yeah. the thing. It's interesting, isn't it? $10.2 million to build that new stand. But bearing in mind as well, that's obviously a fairly new ground. It's only, what, 25 years old maybe, I think? yeah. Maybe, maybe no, sorry, but about 27, 28 years old, maybe. Um, I, I think there was a little bit of fanciful accountancy possibly, with 10 million. Possibly, but it does show you how much it actually costs to build new stands. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Especially if you want something that's going to make money and be, be worthwhile. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's certainly not a cheap business, is it? It's fair to say. No. So there you go. That's uh, Northampton Town playing this weekend. Um, referee for this game, James Bell. Uh, it's his um, second season as an EFL referee. He's taking charge of 35 games so far this season, handing out 109 yellow cards and three red cards. He's had about three that, a game, around about. I was going to say that sounds a lot, but it's only three a game, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. He's, he's actually refereeing quite a few games, to be fair. So uh, pretty much every weekend he's, he's refereeing a game, essentially. Um, mm. He last took charge of a United game in November 2021 for the uh, a game in the trophy that we don't talk about against Lincoln, basically. So... I think he's refereed and, just twice this season in that competition, possibly. Couldn't care. I know, I know exactly. <laughs> yeah, basically, I, 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 I don't just, know, I just, just, just on a little off note, yeah. it was interesting. I know we try not to talk about the trophy, but yeah. Sutton got to the final this week. Mm. And it's obviously going to be different for them because... I don't think they ever played in it as a non-league team from memory. No, no, they wouldn't. Have. And this is their first season in it, and obviously the the under twenty one teams are just part and parcel as far as they're concerned. Yeah. So I can, I kind of, I can understand the excitement from their fans. Well, for them, it's the first time they've. I think the first time they've been to the new Wembley at the very least. I don't know if they've been in the FA Trophy yet any time recently. I'm not sure, but. At least for their younger fans, this is going to be the first chance they get to go to Wembley. So you can tell why they're excited. And I suppose by the time they got to this stage, all the under twenty one teams have gone, haven't they? So it's, it's yeah, yeah. Teams it's, it's, it's a weird one. I mean, I I still don't agree at this point, but I can, like I said, you can understand why they're excited by it, can't you? So, yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's uh, enough about that nonsense. Yes, indeed. Head to head record, forty fifth meeting between the two sides. Uh, not got a great record. Uh, we've won twelve drawn 14 and the cobblers have won 18 in mm. fact we haven't won in our last six games against them northampton our record against them in recent times is not great at all is actually when you look back at it we don't generally get results there. i think last time i can remember was getting a result at six fields actually <laughs> was against coventry city yeah <laughs> even playing northampton so, so there yeah. you go um uh currently uh sorry last season they finished 22nd in league one and they were relegated uh, they're currently second place on 60 points from 35 games, which puts them just just the 16 positions and 23 points ahead of United, having played one game more. Do we stop reading that? It gets depressing every week. It, it's, <laughs> it's not great, is it? I might, I might have to take no. a little bit out, possibly. But there no, you go. We'll, we'll keep it in for the battle preview. We'll keep it in for the battle preview. I knew you'd want to keep it in for that one. That's, that's the way it is, there you go. Um, you're, you're still on for your bet? You're still on for your bet? Yeah. Uh, looking good, looking, looking good. Yep. Yeah. Um, manager John Brady 
Um, initially appointed caretaker in February 2021 after Keith Curl's second. Uh, was then appointed permanently in May 2021 and he's under contract until the summer of 2023. Um, he's only previously managed Brackley Town, which is, I think that Brackley's quite close to Northampton, isn't it? It's, you know, yeah, like yeah. Very short distance away. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's done a brilliant job in his first season in charge, hasn't he? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't think anyone, um, just speaking of Brackley, uh, they're one of them teams who are classed as National League North. Yeah, which is balmy because yeah. they're just they're not, you know. But no, he's uh, he's done a good job. I mean, people didn't know what to expect with Northampton, and mm. we were certainly guilty of that you know we we thought they could struggle, but they seem to have uh, responded well, haven't they? Well, I think when we spoke to them early in the season, um, we spoke to actually, um, I think it was Charles actually, wasn't it? Back then, I think I can't. Sorry, I apologise. I've got your name wrong. The other guy from the uh, the Cobblers podcast, but. Um, but I think he said that one one of the big things they had was that they had a recruitment guy who was basically looking at Scotland, wasn't he? I think yeah, they were yeah. signing a lot of players from Scotland. It's, just, it's one of those annoying, depressing things that we look at every time we go. Don't set me off. Why aren't we signing those players? Don't today? set me off. I know, I know. You won't be able to stop you. If you your little book, your little green, yeah. not not green book like Presley. Oh no, no, no! no. I can't have a green book. No, no. <laughs> no you certainly can't. Um, but yeah, they signed some really good. Plays from Scotland. I think uh, Guthrie, the centre back from Livingston. I think he might be. Pinnock was from um, Kilmarnock, possibly. So, um, so yeah, they're doing they're doing a terrific job at the moment, aren't they? And, and obviously built on the basis of a very good defence. I think is the key thing for them so far this season. So yeah, it is. I'm just I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just looking through their lineup, and there's some good solid names in it, isn't there? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like, when you look through it, like there's a little bit of experience there. We'll come on to the squad in just a yeah. second, actually. To be fair, but yeah, he seems to have done a good job, Brady. Like you said, he, he came up through the sort of the youth setup at um, Northampton in terms of his coaching. I think he, yeah, he managed Brackley first, and then he went to Northampton. I think he was under eighteen, and I think he's been reserve and assistant yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, he's worked. It's kind of basically like as if Mark Burst did that with us, isn't it? Really, he's kind of been based around that area. Because he played for Russian for quite a while as well, so he's Northampton based, even though he's Australian born. So um, yeah, he's doing a, a terrific job with them so far. Um, last time out, they were up against um, promotion content, fellow promotion contenders, sorry, uh, Tranmere Rovers at Sixfield, and they won three two. They went three 0 up through goals from centre back Fraser Horsfall. He scored a brace, and Mitch Pinnock, who we mentioned just before. Um, Rovers got two goals back, including I think a, a Kane Hemmings penalty in like the 88th minute, wasn't it? I think, but. They managed to hold on in a frantic final few minutes, but terrific result them. I've got to say, Tramby are dropping like a stone, aren't they? I couldn't believe that. I looked at the table, I thought, oh, they must still be up there. And they're in seventh, on the verge of going out of the playoffs, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not great for them, I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, so overall form-wise, they're 10th in the last six games, form table record of drawn, one, drawn, loss, drawn, one. Uh, got to say United are currently 8th in the form table so we're ahead of them at the moment uh, well, let's talk about the squad then Dan you, you sort of touched on it briefly there but um, yeah some good solid names isn't that I mean one that stands out is uh, I think they signed him in January on loan uh, Bez Lubala from yeah, um, yeah that, that, that was one yeah because he was at Crawley definitely. wasn't he I think yes he, he was really really good for them I remember that yeah, I mean, Sam Hoskins is the obvious one, isn't he, in terms of experience? He's been there for donkey's yeah. years, hasn't he? And he's a really good player at this level, especially. But like you said, I mean, they've got a fair few players on loan. But 
interestingly though, they're, they're quite thin in terms of midfield, aren't they? There's only four midfielders listed. I mean, a lot of those forward players are, are wide players that can play wide midfield, can't they? I think it's fair to say. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's it's um, interesting make because actually you say there's some good solid players in there. Paul Lewis, another one. But there's a lot of players you've not really heard of in there, isn't there? Really, they've they've picked up a few sort of unknowns and done quite well with them, haven't they? Yeah, uh, proper mix of loan players actually. When you look at it, it's uh, one, two, three, four, five of them five. on loan. Five, yeah, yeah. But they've uh, they've got some, you know, Jack Sowerby stands out to Carlisle fans straight away, doesn't he? You know, uh, as you already said, Labala and Hoskins, uh, even the likes of Pinnock and that. You know, these are all good. Even the two keepers have both been about a bit from from memory. You know, it's. Mm. It's quite it's it's the right mix if you if you know what I mean. Very interesting player there, Ryan no, uh, Nolan as well, isn't there? He's a young lad, Irish lad. He's only twenty three. I think he's had a few bad injuries in his career, but um, basically he he's essentially um, he started out with Inter Milan in Italy. Spent three yes. years playing for their under seventeens, under nineteens, but eighty two appearances for their youth teams. Yeah, um, never quite made as a pro there. I think he went to Arezzo, I think, who was sort of a lower level team in Italy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then he spent some time at Getafe in Spain. Um, but he, he, like I said, he, he basically tore his cruciate ligament in training when he was at Getafe, which basically ruined his, his time there with them. Uh, he's now turning up Northampton, basically trying to rebuild his career. I think they might have actually sent him out on loan to Kidderminster already. So, um, so yeah, no, he, he's he, he's done pretty well to be fair to get someone like him in and. Potentially, you know, if, if they can get him back to the level of a player that was training with Inter Milan, you could get a really good player there. Couldn't he be one of those weird sort of finds, I suppose? Um, yeah, so I think as we mentioned there previously, a bit, a bit of news about them. We mentioned about the fact that their off-the-field issues look like they're getting resolved. Um, they've currently got the joint best defence in the division. 29 goals conceded, which is exactly the same as uh, Forest Green Rovers, who are just ahead of them in the league. The big difference is in terms of the number of goals they've scored. So while Northampton have scored 42, Forest Green Rovers have scored 64. <laughs> 22 yeah. more. That's where, that's where the big difference is. Forest Green Rovers have got loads of goals in the team. Northampton, not quite so much really. That's the one area. More a grind, more a grinding team, aren't they? Well, Danny said in the chat as well, that when I went on their pocket as well, that basically they rely heavily on set pieces, basically. I'm looking at their top scorers here. Sam Hoskins is top on eight, but also on eight is Fraser Horsfall, his centre-back. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Mitch Pinnock's a bit more of a wide forward. I mean, Paul Lewis is on six, but three of those came against us. So yeah, that tells you a bit. And John Guffrey, the, one of the other centre-backs, is on six. So basically, they've got, between them, you've got five, five players. Sorry, I'm trying to count this out on top of my head here. Six players who got either six or eight goals, essentially. So... What try to work that out on top of my head? So essentially, forty goals spread between six players for them by the looks of things. Yeah, my very quick maths. I might have that wrong there actually, but <laughs> but there you go. It sh- shows you the way that they work, basically, doesn't it? Essentially, they rely heavily on those set piece goals, and, and it's making a difference for them this season. Um, also, just a quick note out: they celebrated their hundred twenty fifth birthday last weekend. And they've brought a cracking kit out for it. They as have, well. haven't they? Yeah, really. yeah. And, uh, I've, I've got I've got quite a few mates in Northampton, and I saw a couple of them on Facebook uh, wearing them, and uh, they're really, really, really cool. Do they have their kits made by Aria as well? I imagine that, or are they are they another supplier instead. I will double check that just now. Actually, uh, no, they're Hummel. Uh, 
Hummel do some nice kits. Well, our kit deal's up at the end of the season, so I'm really hoping that he who shall not be named... <laughs> I, I've not put the clown noise onto the soundboard, unfortunately. I can't use it to cover it up. But um, he who shall not be named, hopefully, didn't have his grubby fingers on that before he left, because with any luck, we'll have changed kit supplier because we really need to. A rear of appalling kit maker, in my opinion, but there you go. <laughs> okay, well, let's get on to United then, Dan. Um, well, yeah, in terms of injuries, Brennan Dickinson, Rob McDonald were both on the pitch training with the team, weren't they, before the Oldham game last weekend? Yeah, so that's, that suggests that they could uh, possibly make the bench, possibly, for... Uh... I like Saturday that. Saturday or Tuesday. I do like that, though, because that's something I remember Simpson did last time around, didn't he? When players were coming back from injury, it wasn't just a case of, oh, they're not involved on a match day until they're in the squad. He basically, it just I gives he, a bit of togetherness, doesn't it? Yeah, he had them out there doing stuff before a game and stuff and warming up with them so they feel like they're part of the team, basically. So, so yeah, really um, nice little touch that. And like I said, hopefully, possibly on the bench this weekend, maybe a little bit too soon, we're not sure yet, but... Um, We'll have to wait and see with that. Gimme Tourney's closing in on return, we're told as well. And um and yeah, um long term injuries, Kelvin Miller and Joel Senior. Joel will probably not see till sometime next season, I think now, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, and also Yaloni's uh, Abraham's charters and Manpala. I think both Bell and Dixon will be available now, won't they? Because their month loans will be up effectively from the initial deals, I think. So if we wanted to involve either, then we could. Highly unlikely, I think, in, in the current situation. But there you go. In terms of the game, Northampton game, what do you do with the lineup, Dan? Because I know Simo did say, didn't he? He had a thought at some point of of um, possibly changing things up, even possibly against Rochdale. And he said he gave himself a slap and said, stop being an idiot, Let's pick the best team. Yeah. So do you continue with that or do you get to the point soon where you maybe have to tweak it a little bit just to keep it fresh? Uh, uh, who would you drop from Saturday? It's, it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't no, drop I mean, Dennis because I know Dennis looked tired, but again, like you said, he's such a useful player early on. Yeah. It'd be difficult, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I wouldn't drop Devitt even I really. No, I don't think there's a case where Many to be dropped, you know. No, it's maybe one of those ones. Obviously, we've got a midweek game coming straight after this. You might have to consider after this game a little bit of a tweak and a change, possibly. But we'll have to see how it goes, right? Yeah. So essentially, what we're saying is we would stick with the same line, yeah, we yeah. basically. Yeah. Neither of us. Well, you need to things. be clever with the use of subs for certain players, possibly. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that the, 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 the first two that are likely to come off in most of the games is going to be Devitt and Dennis, isn't it? Really, just as much. Yeah. Clear. Their fitness levels won't be quite up yet. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, Northampton game. Let's do a quick bit on the Newport game as well. Then down before we do our predictions and and whatnot. Um, this game uh, referee um, Martin Coy, who's uh, I think we've mentioned this before. One of our listeners went to uni with him, Mister McGee. He'll um, yeah, he's, yeah. Let's leave it at that, shall we? Um, it, it, Coy's fifth season as an AFL referee. Taking charge of 23 games so far this season, handing out 51 bookings and three red cards. Last took charge of United for the nil-nil draw with Barrow at Brunton Park earlier this season. I don't think there was anything particularly controversial in that game. I think there may be one incident off the top of my head, but bar that, I don't think there was anything I can recall that stood out really that could or should have been given possibly. No, I can't remember. Anyway. No, um, no I'm just thinking there, no, no. 
But yeah, um, it'll be the 26th meeting between the two sides. Uh, Carlisle winning seven, eight draws and Newport ten. Another one of those ones where we're not on top. Uh, we are unbeaten. No, we, we, we never get anything down there apart from this season, do we? Well, I was going to say, we were actually unbeaten in our last four yeah. fixtures against the Exiles. Yeah. We've only lost twice in our last 10 meetings. But both of those defeats, mm. I think, have come at Rodney Parade. And I think the last time we beat them at Rodney Parade was 1988, I think, when they were last in the league, possibly. It's strange with Newport because when these teams come up, and they're not the biggest teams that come up from the National League, I quite often find it hard to get out of my head that they are just non-league clubs on loan to the league, like a Stevenage or a Crawley, even Salford teams like that. You, you kind of look down and you think, oh, they're just a non-league club. They've got a bit above the station and um, you know they'll, they'll drop back down at some point, won't they? I never think this with Newport, which is strange because I, I've got no memory of them being a league club before. You've got that memory. You've, I you've have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't... Yeah. And I, I, I don't know what it is. I just, I just kind of accept them as part of the fin. Oh, they're a football league club. What Should of it? I, don't... Wales. Oh, I, I know you've got your views on that sort of thing. <laughs> but in all seriousness, that's it's like, just a joke. They, 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 they feel like a proper football club. Don't they? they feel like, a, yeah, yeah. They've got a, a fairly solid fan base. They get you about three or four thousand a game, don't they? I think so. Yeah, I think one of those clubs that probably could do with a new ground, couldn't they? Because they have to share with the rugby club. Definitely, cripples them. definitely cripples them a bit. Because I think they, there's, it's a big town. There's a potential for them to get decent crowds and do fairly well. Yeah, and... definitely, definitely. So yeah, um, final position last season. They finished fifth in league two. They lost in the playoff final to Morecambe. Current position, they're only fifth. So they they've not really moved yeah. much in the last twelve months. Uh, or they, so. Um, Currently on 56 points from 35 games. Sorry, I've got to read it again, Dan. 13 positions and 19 points ahead of United, having played one game more than the Blues. Um, their manager's an interesting one, isn't it? James, yeah. James Robry. So, obviously, people might remember the brilliant job that Mike Flynn did over the last three or four years at Rodney Parade. He left last October. I think he basically, it was one of those ones, wasn't it, where he sort of looked at him and thought, I think I've done as much as I can here. And sticking around any longer is just going to, affect mine and the club's standing and, you know, the issues will start to arise. It's, better, it's essentially better to take myself out of the, the fry line and out of the issue and let them find someone else to have another go at it. Basically, now he's rocked up at Walsall, where I think he'd probably do quite a good job in the long term there. Yeah. If yeah. it's a bigger club than Newport's, they should, there's potential there to do a good job. So, yeah, I think a lot of people expect maybe bring an experienced head in, someone to kick them on to the next level in terms of uh, pushing them on to promotion. But they went for someone in Robry who's relatively unknown to the wider sort of football world, isn't he? But he had been quite well known in the locality. In South South Wales, yeah, he's he's very well known. and built up a really good reputation, isn't he? So um, he's from Newport originally. He actually began his playing career uh, in the youth setup at Newport and he also had a spell at Bristol City. But... He basically never made it as a professional, did he? And I think at the age of 21, rather than plodding along in like the non-league circuit or the you know the lower Welsh leagues, I think he just decided, I want to get into coaching. So at 21, he decided to concentrate on that. And he gained his UEFA Pro licence in 2014 at the age of 29. And that makes him one of the youngest people. That's one of the youngest, it, yeah. In, in Europe, which is quite impressive, really. Um, mm. He had a spell uh, coaching with County at their, in their youth setup before he moved to Cardiff City, where... He progressed from being in an academy role to first team coach, and he worked under some big names in terms of managers, didn't he? Russell Slade, yeah, Paul yeah. Trollope, Neil Warnock, and Mick McCarthy. And, and I think he basically attributes 
I think he said he learned a lot about coaching from Slade and Trollope, but he learned a lot about managing from from Warnock. Yeah. And he said actually, but Warnock's Warnock. well known for his man management, isn't yeah. he? You know, I mean, he's he's been on one or two podcasts and chats, yeah. and you know, some of his methods are, are downright genius at times. You know, yeah. yeah. And he said he said McCarthy was really really helpful in just teaching about some of the little nuances of being a manager and some of the things yeah, you'll have yeah, to deal yeah. with. So you certainly learn from people with, I mean, between, you know, Slade, McCarthy and Warnock, you've probably got pushing on two and a half thousand, three thousand games experience as a manager. And numerous years, you know. Yeah, so it, you, you couldn't learn from many better names, could you? So he's done a terrific job since coming in. They were 13th place when he, when he took over and he's got them up into the playoff places with a, Win percentage so far of forty five percent. So clearly, he's got something about him as a coach, and he's come in and, and taken what was a still a fairly decent squad with a few, you know, maybe a few gaps in it. But he, he certainly managed to turn them around into a team that, you know, they still could potentially finish in the top three when you look at the table right now. It is so yeah. tight up there, isn't it? Those those final two places really are there to be fought for, aren't they? So. And potentially we're going to have a big effect on that in the next few days, basically, in yeah. the next two games. Um, last time out, uh, a bit of a local... It's a weird call it a local derby, isn't it, really? Bristol Rovers against Newport County. But I suppose it is. It's, it's more of a local derby than us against Barrow. When you look at it, in terms of distance, there's barely anything really between them across the uh, Bristol Channel. So, uh, yeah, turned out 1-0 winners against Rovers. Thanks to a James Wake first half goal. Bristol Rovers actually are flying at the moment. That's a bit of a surprise result for them to lose. Um, current form, they are 12th in the last six games form table. Record of lost, drawn, drawn, one, drawn, one. So they've not lost in the last five games, but still not as good as United, are they? In terms of recent form. No. Look at their squad, Dan. Anyone really stand out in there to you? Uh, not massively. Kevin Ellison's still on the scene, of course. Dom Telford's the obvious one with his goals, isn't he? Yeah, I think I think Ellison's injured at the moment, possibly. Yeah, 43 yeah. years old, though. It's all going strong. Fair play to me. You're right about yeah. Telford. He's well, the top, top scorer in League 2 right now. I think Dimitriou's been about for a while, hasn't he? Yeah, Matt Dolan, the captain as well, is a decent little player. Yeah. Um, he can sort of play centre-back or in midfield, can't he, I think. Um, they've yeah. also got one of the best-named players in, in the Football League, I think. In a... Priestley Farquharson, Farquharson. It's a fantastic, it's, fantastic. I, I probably pronounced that it? wrong, and I do apologise to him if I have. But Priestley, Priestley Farquharson, I think is is how you pronounce it. I'll, I'll let James yeah. deal with that one on Tuesday night. God help him if, he, <laughs> if he's playing. That is, of course. Um, yeah. So, like you said, this they've got they've, they've used the loan market well. Oliver Cooper from Swansea, I think, has done fairly well there. Um, they've got Timmy Abraham, brother of Tammy. In uh, yeah. loan from Fulham, um, I don't think he's played much recently. No, though, I don't think he has really. I mean, they made some interesting other interesting. I mean, Courtney Baker Richardson was from Barrow, didn't quite settle there, did he? I think, and he's he's gone yeah. done okay there. And Courtney Senior from uh, Colchester United. He, he was, yeah, Abraham's hardly featured. He's he's only made twelve appearances all oh, season. And, uh, I don't think he's actually. Oh, he's, he hasn't played this year. Hmm. Oh, he's been go. on the bench a couple of times, but yeah. yeah. Well, they're, but then they're doing pretty well. I think James Waite, I think, might have been signed from a Welsh league side in January, possibly. I think he's done okay so far since he's come in. So, uh, so there you go. Um, right before we do, Mike, answer to Mike's questions. We do some predictions, Dan. Yeah. 
Where are you going to go? I'm going to go on Saturday. I think we're going to have a one-all draw on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go for Christian Dennis to get his goal that he deserves. Yeah. And I think on Tuesday, we're going to have a 2 nil win. I fancy us for a win, because if we get a decent result Saturday, it'll still be a decent crowd Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It's a long way to come on a Tuesday night. 2 uh, nil, and I'll go for Amari Patrick... And uh, we'll go for Simu to get a header off a corner. Well, there you go. That's what you're going for. Um, I'm going to go for it. I, well, when I did it with the It's All About, uh, It's All Cobbers to Me podcast the other day, I did say 2 2 draw. So I'll stick with that. Goal scorers wise, I think I'm going to go for Dennis to score his first goal for us and Jamie Devitt to get one. Um, and Jack Sowerby will score one of the Northampton goals inevitably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, midweek, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win, and I think Dennis will get the winner in that game as well. So I'm going to go for a tight one. So here's what Mike sent us in this week in terms of his predictions. So I'm going to go for a one all draw against Northampton with Patrick getting our goal. And I'm going to go for a 1-0 win against Newport with Patrick again. Oh, you want, he thinks Patrick's going to make it 5-5? Five and five? There you go, just keep scoring under Paul Simpson. Interesting one there. Right, so uh, Mike's question, as a quick reminder of that, Dan, it was um, who were the three goal scorers the last time we beat Northampton at six fields back in uh, March 2006? And who was the future Premier League manager that lined up for Northampton that day? We we, we know the manager. It's Sean Dice, yeah. basically. Sean Dice. With his gravelly... Goal uh, scorers... I'm sure Hawley and Bridges scored. Yeah, I think Danny Livesey got the other. I mean, and it. I was just going to say, I have a feeling it was a defender for the third. So yeah. I think it was like a tap-in. We'll, I think the ball came low to him and he tapped it in from a few yards out. So. Yeah. So we're going to go for that. We'll go game. with your, your Danny Livesey. Right, well, here, here's the answer from Mike. So the goal scorers were Carl Hawley, Michael Bridges and Danny Livesey. Hey. And the opposition player that became a Premier League manager was, of course... Sean Dyche. That's that's not as good impression. It's a worse Sean Dyche impersonation ever, Michael. That is terrible. Absolutely terrible. He needs to have a word with himself about that, doesn't he? There you go. So we got we we got a full house this week, didn't we? After mm. I, I disgraced myself last week being convinced that Michael Bridges was uh, had played in Premier League mm. when he hadn't. But there you go. Um, Okay then, so let's let's get on to the X file section, Dan. Not as busy in terms of goals and cards, but quite busy in terms of other news this week. Yeah, the new the news probably over over takes the goals. Uh goals uh Saturday, some bloke called Hallam Hope, I'm looking there. <laughs> uh Harry McCurdy scored his fifteenth league goal of the season as Swindon beat Bradford two one. I think he actually got carded and misses a couple of games now. Uh, Speaking of which, I'm sure I'm sure Callum Guy is approaching Booking, we'll have to check that for next episode. I have a feeling the 10 booking cutoff is very soon, like very yeah, soon. Yeah, I mean, so he might yeah. just avoid it, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, Charlie Barnes scored for Annan in the 4 1 win over Stranra and what Border TV would class as a derby. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, again, well, it, that... it's probably a closer derby than us to Barrow, isn't it, in a weird way? But yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, they're flying Annan, aren't they? They're, they're, I mean, Kelty yeah. Hart are running away with the. Um, yeah, but uh, Anna in a good position for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, that was it on Saturday. There wasn't many. Uh, midweek, yeah. Jack Marriott scored for Peterborough in a surprise one-all draw at Bournemouth. 
Cole Stockton came back from illness to score in Morecambe's one-all draw at Bolton. And Aaron Hayden notched again for Wrexham in a 4-2 win over Boreham Wood in the National League, which leads us on to Aaron Hayden's had a call-up for the England Sea squad for the he game has, against yeah. Wales Sea. Especially the, the non-league England team, isn't it? So, didn't Simon Grant and Carl Hawley playing that for us? Maybe Matty Glennon as well, possibly, I seem to remember. Yeah, yeah. Back in the, I, I uh, remember got, is that Chris Lumsden turned down a call-up for that, didn't he? Because he didn't want to go and work with Paul Fairclough. Fairclough, <laughs> who still is the boss of England C, even now, which is yeah. mad. There you go. Uh, just nipping back to Harry McCurdy. He was in the League 2 team of the week again. Uh, former left-back Kevin Wright has signed for another Swedish top-flight side. Uh, IK Sirius Football, who were in the Al Svenskan, the top division. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's mentioned a couple of times this season because of his uh, exploits. So, was it Sierra Leone in the, the AFCON? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was so, it? he's been quite good. Uh, Anthony Sweeney signed a new deal as coach at Hartlepool. Staying with Hartlepool, Gary Liddell made his 700th career appearance. That's, That's uh, pretty good impressive, going. isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. And sort of on a Hartlepool theme, Mark Cullen, uh, we said he joined the AFC Files. Uh, he got injured in the second minute against Bradford and it looks like a, a season ending. It was a, mm. a stretcher job, so that's uh, bad news for Mark Cullen. And uh, One other, uh, former loanee Connor Malley has joined Gateshead on loan. So yeah. He's almost a direct rival for Taylor Charters. That's a weird position. one, that one, isn't it? Because he, he he left, he, did, he struggled to get a game for us. He left, went back to Middlesbrough, and he played in a championship game and got man of the match. He came on a sub after twenty minutes and got man of the match. He ran the game, you know, and he's and, and he's, he's never really since. Yeah, strange, but, uh, isn't it? Yeah, but no, that's uh, the ex Blues this week. Yeah, busy old week. I think it's fair to say, but um, there you go. Uh, Thanks, Dan, for once again joining me here on the pod. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening as well, especially. Um, I, I don't think we've had any new countries on the old um, thing this week, uh, unfortunately. I'll have to have another check. But uh, thanks once again, everyone, for your support. Like like we said last week, we're closing in on episode number 100, um, which we think is going to be the Harrogate game weekend. I'm not 100%. Depends how many we, we managed to fit in before then. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's great to continue to get your support. It's great, great to be recording at the moment because it, we're actually winning games, aren't we? And it's amazing yeah, the yeah. feeling you feel. You don't feel really, oh, God, we've got to talk about this bloody football game again now, haven't we? Mm-hmm. You actually feel like, I want to talk about I want to talk about how good we've been. So, really good. And hopefully, this, this weekend, another big crowd and uh, get a performance. Because like, like we said before... As long as we don't get beat. As long as we yeah. don't get beat under the crowd. Don't get beat. Get a good draw. Put in a good, hard-working performance. That, that'll... I think we'll probably be all fairly happy with that. But I think we'd, we'd all prefer the three points, really, though, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be happy if these two games if we got four points I'd be more than happy yeah. I, to be quite honest I'd be happy with two draws yeah you I know because playing the team in second and fifth you know it's, they're not going to be well, easy games we, we've not been anyone in the top seven this season we've been yeah. Swindon's the, the lowest down team in eighth place that we've beaten and back then they were just sort of finding their feet yeah, yeah. so our record against the bottom ten is excellent we haven't lost against them Above that, pretty dreadful, basically. We, we're just not getting results against teams. So if we can somehow get a winning in these two games, it would be a hell of a turnaround. So, you know, I think I think most of, like I said, most of us would probably take four points. 
two points, I think we'd probably be fairly happy. I'd rather we didn't lose either of them, basically. That would be, that'd be the ideal situation, I think. And, but I'm to that, you say you'd take two points. You would take three points out of two games. <laughs> part, part of me's like, yeah, but then part of me's like, mm, but then you lose a bit of momentum. If you lose a game, you might get feel a bit more down. We're not going to win forever, though, are we? You know, it's... No, no, it's true. That's very true. But there you yeah. go. Right, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for joining me again, Dan, and uh, up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.